Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 521. Mr. Samich. Fresh off the plane. Huzzah! <laughs> yeah. So, we're, uh, sorry we're, uh, if you were waiting for us at our usual time. Uh, Mike was traveling back from Vegas today, and, and he made it in under the wire. Mike landed at 2.30 Pacific time, and he was here at 2.55, a little before 2.55, like on the back end. Mike and I are never on the back end at 2.55 anyway, or 1.55. So, the fact that we were both here early... Super impressive. So glad to see you, buddy. Yeah, I'll take uh, things you can't do in Los Angeles for 200 magic. That's that <laughs> get from the airport, like get off your flight at 2:30 and be ready to go for a podcast by 2:55. There's no chance anywhere in Los Angeles. You're not even depending where you're at on the plane. You're not even like at past that lot final security point. Yeah, <laughs> you have zero chance you're in your car by that point. Yeah, like you're probably just like pulling up at like the the the, the rock and bruise or whatever it's called. And uh, just like pull up the laptop and like you know get everything ready to go real quick, and it's going to be super noisy and shitty because you don't have your normal mic. But mm-hmm. now you're here and just in time because uh, one of our fantasy horses did really well. Kind of, uh, we'll talk about that. But uh, okay. lots of Derby talk to get into, so I'm glad that you're here for it. And JD Fox says always tunes in for LA traffic talk. His uh, JD also hates the LA traffic whenever he has to be here. It's a it's a unique beast all in and of itself. The LAX airport is a unique beast in and of itself. Like if you've never had the pleasure of flying into LAX, uh, it is a just absolutely different different experience. And yeah, like Shadi Shadi felt it for the Breeders' Cup. When it was a two hour Uber from LAX up towards Santa Anita. Um, yeah, in Santa Barbara, it's five gates. You land. You literally walk to your car in the long term extended parking, which is like twelve dollars a day, and it takes you about five minutes and. There you are. You're on the road, ready to go. Yeah, it's Santa Barbara, not that big of an area overall, so not too hard for you uh, to get home. I, I, Shadi also, it took it was a two hour Uber for them, but they also did it. They landed right in the middle of rush hour. Like that was, there were a lot of things that they did wrong, and uh, that was definitely one of one of them. Uh, but yeah, like I said, we've got Kentucky Derby. There's one official prep race for us to talk about. One that might as well be a prep race, and then change of command as well and we're also going to talk about copion because as rodney's saying uh looks like mandela's got himself another good one but it is a show that we've seen this we've seen this episode like on rerun a few different times so we'll see if copion can kind of change things here but are you ready to get into it buddy let's do i can't wait to hype up some three-year-olds let's go (laughs) let's get into it riders up All right, Mike, let's whoa, I gotta make sure I take this off hey first. There. Oh boy. Hey. <laughs> there we go. Much better. Uh the Jerome Stakes, the first one we'll talk about. The winner was the heavy favorite, the rail horse with the gold cap there. That's drum roll, please. Mike, what do you take from this race? There's a lot of things to really <laughs> kind of consider. Like Aqueduct is super slow in the winter. It's a five horse field. It's ungraded. Where do you start? 
Yeah, I mean, let's start with the time. Uh, they, they went a mile 141, which is awful. But like you said, Aqueduct, not exactly a blistering fast track. So I'm not going to take too much away from the horses because of how slow the overall time was. Uh, it definitely makes you a little concerned. Though. I mean, they went 49 to the half. You can see they're 24.5 uh, to the opening quarter. I think it was like 128 for seven furlongs, which is mm-hmm. very slow. And then they finish in 141. So um, what I take is the professional effort here. If you're if you're looking for a grinder type horse, I think this is a positive effort there. Not exactly the turn of foot you'd like to see, but once Drumroll Please did get loose around or in the stretch, you could kind of see him. And it was interesting because our, our buddy Chris there said it in this call, going through the gears, like slowly gearing up and getting the momentum going here with Drumroll Please and able to get to the wire first. And I, I guess you could say that this is a positive thing for uh, both Doorknock and Sierra Leone, who this source was beat by four lengths in the Remsen last time out. That was going a mile and an eighth, and we saw kind of that that closing ability, but then wasn't able to quite sustain it at that distance. So it feels like a good underneath horse in some of these Aqueduct New York prep races, but not one I think is an actual threat to make the Derby, win the Derby, anything like that. Uh, but but a horse that I think is going to dance all the dances and come in third a lot. Yeah, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Hitch Show, and that was a Brad Cox trainee that you were all over last year and, and had that kind of a similar style where he didn't explode, but once he got rolling through the gears, it was pretty good. Um, one thing about him, too, if I'll pull it back up to about the eighth pole. You're going to see him on the wrong lead until he gets to about the eighth pole, and then that's when he really, like, here, he's still on the yeah. wrong lead, wrong lead, wrong lead. Bam, Castellano finally gets him to switch, and now he's going to take off on El Grandeo. So, again, kind of that once he – it's almost like he stalled grinding through the gears and was like, oh, there we go. We put it into fifth, and now we're going to pull away. Um, I, definitely not a horse you want to play at three to five when he faces, no offense to this field, good horses. But definitely, I think what you nailed it, a good underneath horse, especially when we're going uh, a mile and an eighth. But you were right – or yeah, you were right about those times, though. Uh, 114 and four for – for six furlongs uh i think that mooth had already gone past like onto the backstretch in 114 and four in that race that we'll talk about yeah. in a second yeah again though like comparing a time like just a flat time at aqueduct to a flat time at Santa Anita this time of year is not really fair to aqueduct horses now mm-hmm. this was still a slow race let's let's not like el grande o was begging to get past in that stretch i mean you you had the weavies going on you had the stumble on the action <laughs> we we're only going a mile here so uh like you said, not too much that was beaten today. We'll see what happens. Again, I, this is—I think you're going to see drumroll, please, quite a bit in these New York these New York prep races. And I, I good candidate to hit the board. The price is going to be the key. Like I, I don't really want to be playing drumroll, please, underneath at five to one. I want to be playing drumroll, please, underneath at fifteen twenty to one, which is his more likely odds to win the race than hope that it balloons up the try or super. So, <laughs> Curtis says, 114 for a six furlongs. What is this, Mahoning Valley? Mm-hmm. Let me put in perspective how slow this time was compared to previous Jerome's. And again, tracks are different each year, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 141.91 was the slowest time for the Jerome since 2018. And that was the first time the Jerome was run at the current one turn, one mile distance. Every time since then, 139 flat, 137 and 1, 138 flat, 138 and 4. Lugan Knight, you remember Lugan Knight last year? 137 and 3 won this race. Like, it, again, tracks are different, but yeesh, yeah. this was not good. Time you, had feel, you had a feel of five older maiden horses um, go a mile in the next race. They went 141.68. Those were maidens. Just to give you an idea, like they were, they were what, point 
two something seconds faster here, 0.23 seconds faster, and that was a maiden race that happened afterward. Now it was older horses, so you could say, oh well, the, you know, that's at least a little good sign. But like this was this was not the fastest mile on the card either. No, no, not a good one. We can actually we can move on from this one because I think it was a pretty we kind of covered all of our bases. One that uh, I know Rodney is super excited to talk about because he hasn't stopped talking about it since the show started. We'll move over to the San Vicente Stakes, a Grade Two race. Now, before we hit uh, play on this. It is kind of weird that the Sham Stakes is gone. That is a derby prep race, or was a derby prep race. And then they replaced it with the San Vicente, but they didn't give it the points. I don't know if they caught the Kentucky Derby model off guard, but here's the San Vicente Stakes with Muth. Uh, again, a horse with a lot of class, but Mike, I was a little worried this was going to be a little too short for him, and I think his class got the job done. What did you think? Yeah, it was interesting to see them deciding to go one turn here, just go the seven for long, shorten this horse back up. Um I think it was a combination of a couple things. I think obviously the class helped, uh, but this is another one where let's talk about what else was in here, right? I mean, the the one horse is a Yak Teen second time out, Moonlight Moonlit Sonata, who we were seeing if it could take a step forward. The two Strider, I'm sorry, the two Slider was a it's a turf sprinter. <laughs> uh, the four is the other Baffert. The five horses only run on turf. The six horse had like all the success came on turf. So you essentially have three turf horses, and then the, then you have Moonlit Sonata, and then you have the two Baffert. So not much in this race. I, again, I think the the key here is that Muth gets the job done and is able to rate again. And this is not a perfect trip. You have to go three wide around the far turn able to get the job done pretty easily here still showing some of that early speed but being able to rate off like kind of feels like it's one of those paid workouts in a lot of ways where <laughs> i like if this if he had lost i would have been like okay this is a problem the fact that he was able to win and win by this much kind of doesn't move him up or down in my rankings it's it's kind of what i would expect from a horse like this in a spot like this Agree with everything you said. The most surprising to me was that he only got a 91 buyer. Uh, there wasn't anything super explosive about it. I think as soon as Juan Hernandez got the lead and he knew he had it won, he didn't keep pushing him. Very professional. A, a horse that we've seen do well at two turns before and I think is going to continue to do well at two turns. Uh, Curtis says, I think Muth beat an okay horse and three other horses who will be running in 25K claimers a year from now. A little bit of a stretch, but not that much of a stretch. Uh, you, you nailed it. Pilot Commander probably is going to end up being best at one turn, possibly yep. a miler. Uh, he was okay, but they're, he kind of ran in place, and he didn't get rid of Slider. And Slider's okay, but Slider's a California turf force, and mm -hmm. so is Voltage. So that's who he beat there. Moonless Sonata, maybe you give one more chance. Um, this is a horse that was pretty good-looking winner on debut, and then he struggled out of the gate, trailed, and that's not usually a good spot to be when there are two Baffert Speed horses in the race, but he also didn't really show much of this, and, and Formidable Man was here hoping to try and pick up a paycheck. So, Yeah, I mean, Moonless Sonata was also 33-1 to 1 on debut. So it, it surprised a lot of people that, that the horse was able to run as well as it did. Now it comes back here. He got a nice price, still 17-1, to 1, but a much better field. I feels again like we, we just need to get this horse in the right class level right maybe we shouldn't be trying two hundred thousand dollar stakes races maybe we should be trying you know the the 20 and 1x level but somewhere in there where you can actually try and cut your teeth as a two-year-old or three-year-old and figure out where you where you fit so i wouldn't be shocked if moonlit sonata turns out to be a a good horse just not you know a derby-esque horse yeah it and that's okay right with it for the purposes of owning the horse, for the purposes of this talk show, uh, get out of here, Moonless Sonata. We don't want to talk about you. What we do want to talk about, and maybe we might be only two, but it's our show. So, damn it, you're going to sit here and listen. Uh, critical to Goldstream on Friday, race number seven, change of command. Look at this break. Number three, he's right out of the gate. He's going to stalk perfectly. 
And off the turn, Mike, you just know he's going to win by a pole, right? Yeah, sure felt like it. Um, and then he got the lead and decided he wasn't interested in winning by a pole. Uh, interesting race here. I mean, like, it's again, sits so comfortably the whole way around. I think that was one of the big keys here is the horse was show the ability to be able to stock at two turns, be able to sit off the pace and then go get a horse. Um, got to get more focused in the lane because it, it just felt like as soon as change of command took the lead, he was disinterested in running at that point. And that's not something that's good, uh, because you have to really time your opinion if you're going to be able to do it. We'll see. Um, I, as a as your fifth round pick, I'm very happy with this performance, right? Third, I mean, I think third round pick. Okay, well, not as happy with the performance then, but still happy with the performance even <laughs> as a third round pick. It, it, you're going to go to stakes after this. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I, you mentioned the blinkers thing. I think that is probably something change of command needs. Yeah, I was watching this race live with uh, with Aaron and Jared, and <laughs> right about here, we're like the whole way. We're like, wow, he's so professional. He's just clicking off those easy cruising like 12 second. Um, just under 12 second uh, furlongs. It's like, this is great. This is what you want to see. And right here, he's got the lead. And like the ones all out. And Jose Ortiz on the threes. Right, he's just now going to start using him. And it's like right here, he should take off. He should take off. Why aren't you taking off from him? It's like, and then he starts going to the whip. And I was like, ah, shit, this is going to be so embarrassing. But he held on. I swear he needs blinkers. Like as soon as he got the lead, he just, he, like he kept that advantage. He didn't pull away, but... He also didn't really let the one come back on him until super late. And by that point, Jose had already stopped hitting him. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a one. The one horse was a nice debut winner, an okay debut winner for Todd Pletcher. But I think we both wanted to see something more out of this three. It is Shug, so you know he's going to handle this horse well. But this also took this horse several times to get the maiden broken. And like you said, this has been five starts. We would hope to see something uh, a little bit better out of this horse. So, Yeah, I mean, um, did face fierceness in his first career race. That was over the slop. Faced Sierra Leone, lost by length in a quarter. Two races back at Aqueduct. That was his third career race. Um, so it, like, at least lost to good horses when you're going up through the ranks. I, I think blinkers would make a big difference here. I, like that... That to, that to me is the, the what you got to do. And again, like I think change of command could make the gate in the Derby. And I think he'll have a say yep. in some of these Florida preps. I, this isn't your Derby winner, though, unless we see big steps forward here. Both change of, man, change of command and Cardinal get 83 buyers for this effort. Uh, both career best buyers for them. Cardinal took a huge step forward off of a six furlong sprint to run this big of a race here. Really dug in well. Change of command mm -hmm. just, I mean, got the a buyer improvement, got a career best buyer. Just, just didn't put him away the way that you want. A horse that you have on your fantasy team to put that horse away yeah uh fantasy purposes we're happy about it because we got the five points for the win and we now have two horses that have run okay at gulfstream park the other one being first world war which ironically uh you thought this was our fifth round pick you wanted to take first world war in the third round and i made you take this horse instead so it's good that they both run well at least that we got that going for us but one last note on the one horse it is a pletcher it's not have I read on it. I read's on the six, and I don't know if the I read had actually ridden the six before in a race. So yes, he beat a Pletcher, but he beat a Pletcher that I read wasn't riding. So uh, not not in love with that fact either. But again, it's Suge really hoping that you know he brings the horse along professionally. We saw with Code of Honor what he could do with some really talented horses. Uh, JD says he's staring at the shadows all the way home with his head down, and he needs a shadow roll. See, JD, this is why I got you and why we love having you around because. 
I don't know the difference between those, but that is a great point. I just know Shadow Roll is always blue on the Baffer horses, and I just always assume that's where he, you know, hid the extra drugs that kind of made them go fast. Like, you wonder how a Baffer horse always manages to rebreak when they get really sweaty. I just thought it, like, the sweat absorbed in the Shadow Roll, it just absorbed it back into the blood, and off it went. But apparently, it serves another purpose, too. I just assumed it was for aesthetics. <laughs> uh, it does look pretty. That, that is the, absolutely the case. Uh, speaking of pretty... Boy, this filly's awfully pretty. Winner of the Sandy Inez stakes here. Copion. Now, she didn't beat jack shit. We know that. But when you face jack shit and you win the way that she does, you still got to take your hat off to her, Mike. Yeah, well, then that's the key. Like, you can, you can say you haven't, haven't played anyone, right? You hear it all the time in sports. Haven't faced anybody in horse racing. Well, just look really good when you're beating a bunch of nobodies, and I'm going to be pretty high on you because that's a big part of it is do you just take care of your business in the manner that you should and man Copion uh, 100% did that here breaks really well gets right to the top and just absolutely puts them away down the lane never gets asked it's an 86 buyer improving off the 83 buyer on debut she looks like a runner we'll see what happens when uh, when we stretch out to two turns here but she looked awfully awfully good uh doc saying copion looks like a nice filly and he used the ph I, I was just thinking of jared's video when he ranked who's your filly is one of the most disappointing horses last year uh so maybe doc was thinking the same thing and rodney's saying just fyi and, and copion will run one two in the oaks it's hard to it's so hard this early to make that prediction but mandela does tend to have a really good looking filly this time of year you just hope that she stays healthy but i mean look off the turn precious giving her shaking the reins shaking the reins he knows it. He's got yeah. this one. Um, yeah, Tamra could be good. It, it's funny about Tamra, by the way, that Doc brings up in the chat. Uh, Mandela said the only time that this horse has never, the only time this horse has not worked well in the morning ever was the time that he worked her with Tamara. And he's like, yeah, no, nah, not doing that again. <laughs> she got really pissed off working with Tamara, Tamara. And uh, so we kept them separated after that. That makes me think also, Tamara might come back and still be something good. She just had that one bad race in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I mean, like, look at Fierceness, like, who's your yeah. favorite right now everywhere. It, like, had one bad race, and then you get 19 to 1 on Fierceness, and now 11 to 1 to win the Derby, a lower price than what he won the, uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile at. Uh, Team Mandela, love to see that. Uh, it, Pratt was very, uh, had lots of praise for, has said that. Uh, he's always excited when he gets to come back to California and ride for Richard Mandela and these horses. He always knows it's going to be a good one. So as former owners of Tism Magician, we agree with you. Uh, as far as the buyer goes, she got an 86, I believe. Yeah, so a, a yes. good, a really nice buyer here. And again, only her second career start. She's going to stretch out probably next time. So uh, a lot to love with this filly as well. It, just FYI, I guess, is the clubhouse leader. But Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies winners traditionally do horribly when they come back at three. Um, I think Echo Zula was the last one that actually did anything, and she was a sprinter. So she yeah. wasn't she wasn't an Oaks horse. She was a sprinter uh, that had enough speed to, to beat most of them. So I was not a believer in just FYI all last year. So I will uh, I will probably take a non-believer stance headed into the three-year-old season now as well. Yeah. Well, that was a quick kind of a quick show as far as the horse racing goes. Not a whole lot to uh, talk about. And of course, coming up this weekend, we have nothing. No, no derby preps this week. We do have the Busanda Stakes at Aqueduct. Probably be a short field of five, five or six fillies uh, going nine furlongs at Aqueduct. Uh, so we've got that to look forward to. But yeah, not a whole lot else to talk about with this. However, some big things to talk about, including tonight, University of Michigan. Can Jim Harbaugh get that national championship and get the hell out of college football and back to the NFL, Mike? 
Well, he will be out of college football. I've been saying it like this is his last year for, for months now, and I, I think it's pretty much solidified. And if he wins, it's 100% going to be his last game at Michigan. I, I took a little Washington plus four and a half. I'm not overly confident in it, but I just want a little bit of action on the game. So for me, uh, it, it's Washington plus four and a half. I think both these teams have significant edges on the offensive side of the ball. Michigan should be able to like move that Washington defensive line off the line pretty easily and be able to run the football pretty easily. On the other side, this is going to be the best secondary and the best wide receiving set that we have seen the Michigan secondary take on. Uh, I think Penix has success against them as long as they can protect, and that's going to be the key. Can the Washington offensive line hold up against the Michigan defensive line? If so, uh, I think it's going to be very, very tight. Uh, and Penix's prop right now sitting at uh, 292 and a half yards passing. It's touchdown prop, one and a half touchdowns. If you parlay the two together, you can get plus 135. Uh, like that one quite a bit. Is Penix over his passing total, over one and a half yards. Uh, played a little bit of Blake Corum over 103 and a half yards rushing as well. Uh, like I said, I think they're going to be able to, to push around that Washington defensive line. So things going to be a fun game. I'm, I'm very interested in watching this, not betting a crazy amount on it. What are, what are your thoughts here? Uh, well, first of all, I agree. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh going to go to the L.A. Chargers. Makes sense. He's a, He does well in California with that mentality, um, and the Chargers are just a mess. The only reason he wouldn't go to the Chargers is those owners are extremely cheap. Extremely cheap. So I'm not sure how that would work. Keep if he goes the, there, it's not going to last long. Maybe three seasons tops. Keep an eye on the Falcons. Ooh, see, that would be better. I don't even know who the Falcons have. I just think that's better because it's not the Chargers' ownership. Uh, Rob, Rob, always go, or going with uh, my dudes who bet daily argument. What's the mascot fight going to be? Wolverine versus Husky is an interesting fight. I give it a shotty. I think a Wolverine could beat up a Husky pretty easily because a Wolverine is agile and quick and he's small. And the Husky is kind of big and bulky. And the Wolverine just runs circles around and the Husky will be chasing his tail. And the Wolverine goes right in for the kill. So give me Michigan Wolverines. Uh, also, I'm a Michigan guy. So a little bit biased. I'm from Michigan. I'm not a Michigan guy. I should. I'm not that. No. You're not a Michigan man. Aren't you a Michigan State guy? I prefer Michigan State over Michigan because it's it's the you know the the one time that they ever beat them. It's like hey, we beat you guys, and like if you beat us, it's like well, you were supposed to. Yeah, I I, I can't I can't ever root for Michigan. I just I just can't. I just don't like. <laughs> That's Michigan. fine. I don't like them. I, I like I just I I I generally just dislike the entire Big Ten because I lived in Chicago. And I had to hear about how good the Big Ten was every year. And I'm just yeah. sitting there and I'm like, dude, the Big Ten's not very good. You're going to get waxed when we get to bowl season. And guess what happened? They get waxed every time they go to bowl season. Now, uh, Michigan outplayed Alabama. Got to give give them credit where credit is due. But this is a different uh, a different battle that you're going to take on here, specifically on the, on the defensive side of the ball. It's really all about can Michigan control the ball on the ground and just not let Penix get on the field enough. And then when he is on – do you have one of those mistakes where that takes away a drive, takes away six, seven minutes where Michigan has the football again and they're able to grind down on the clock? So, um, yeah, going to be an interesting, interesting to see how this plays out. But I, I, I'm on the Washington side. I also would like to see Washington win. And when I'm not betting a lot of money, I'm going to also root for the team that I actually want to win. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I could understand a lot of the, uh, the Michigan hate. Uh, Dr. Tang is saying he's, he's torn. Mike, he's torn. One of his groomsmen is a U of Michigan alum. And Tyler Hoffman, good friend of the show, is a Washington alum. I did not know he went to Washington. Hmm. Yeah, he's a Husky. He was a if PR. you've met Tyler, Tyler is like the opposite of Husky. He's got like 0.3% body fat, I think. But uh, he is a Husky in terms of his college uh, affiliateship. Over at RaceNews.com, the final free college football pick of the season. They're split too. U of M for Aaron Halterman, Washington for Papa Dude, and 
if you don't have anybody to watch the game with tonight, don't worry. Papa Dude and Aaron, they're going to be live during the show. They're so happy that Texas didn't make it this far so they could actually do the live show. So join them here on the YouTube channel. Uh, they're going live in about an hour, so 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern. Uh, just come in, join the chat, have a lot of fun. Uh, lots of shenanigans always happen in that, so love to see you for that one. We Mike, that. I know you were – what's that? We did, we did that last year. It was just abs- like brutal because it's the, the Georgia was up 21 before you blinked your eye. Yeah. Like, all right. Fun. Like we, I think we stopped at half because it's like this isn't even close anymore. And we were talking like it was great, great game. And we ball bet the first <laughs> half, first quarter, Georgia, Georgia over team total, all that fun stuff. Uh, but it was not a fun watch along game. This is going to be a fun watch along game because you're going to have some big plays in this game. A lot of intrigue. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. So it should be a, should be a good game tonight. Shadi says Logan Wolverine versus a sled team of Huskies. I mean, Logan Wolverine would tear up. A, like, if, if you're going X-Men Wolverine, he wins every battle against any type of Husky that you can come up with. Even a sled team. I mean, really, because of his love for animals and his animalistic nature, I think if he was facing a sled team, he would hop on the sled and let them drive around while he just slashes everybody else like to pieces. Like, he just, you know, ride, drive me around. I'm going to kill all these bitches that tried to make us fight. So let's let's... If it was five Wolverines against five Huskies, you still taking the Wolverines to win? I feel mm. like having the additional Huskies gives them more of an edge. It does. It does. If it's one-on-one, I'm going with the agile, quick, small animal. But if it's five of them, they can easily team up like two-on-one and then just like knock them out that way. So it really does It does make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shadi said she's excited for the stream. We're excited about that one too. Uh, did you have any final thoughts from Vegas from this past weekend, as far as the, like the NFL goes? Uh, uh, the Detroit Lions getting screwed out of the Detroit Lions getting screwed against the Cowboys somehow set up for the fairy tale story that Matt Stafford and the Rams now come to Detroit for the first game that the Lions have hosted in 30 years in the playoffs. And I just I don't know what to think about that. These storylines are phenomenal. Like you've got the, you've got the two coach of the year candidates. Number one and number two, Stefanski and, and D'Amico Ryans taking on each other in the early Saturday game. Then Saturday night, you've got Tyree Kill headed back to Kansas City. On uh, on Sunday, you've got, um, like you said, Goff and Stafford going at it, traded for each other, both going into the playoffs. That should be a lot of fun. You've got Mike McCarthy against the Cowboys, and that one's another one that's going to be a ton of fun. I uh, just can't wait to see how he screws it up. And, and this, <laughs> like, yep. I, I think one of the most interesting things is what where is the chaos? Is it NFC or AFC? Because one of these things is going to be a total shit show, and it will not be Baltimore against San Francisco. And you could have some random, random team making it. I think it's the AFC. I think the Browns are going to knock off Baltimore next week. And that would create – And but now if Miami beats Kansas City – Miami most likely goes to Baltimore, and that kind of gives a reprieve. But Flacco going in and knocking the Browns out, I think would be – or knocking the, the Ravens out, I think would be a phenomenal story. But it, it, one of these two conferences is going to be absolutely chaotic. And it, when you think about it, like if the Ravens or the Niners lose, every other team you could make a legitimate argument for why they're going to be able to get to the Super Bowl. There is not a single team in the playoffs where you're like, nope, they have no chance if that one seed goes down. And so – going to be a phenomenal couple weeks can't wait to, to be able to be in vegas for each of the playoff games and kind of break those down so going to be a lot of fun here in the nfl i like i already bet the browns minus two i already took the over in that game there was some 30 43 and a half uh played over that's at 44 and a half now i'd wait to see if you can get a 44 uh but still like the over in that one quite a bit 
I played Miami plus three and a half. I think going, I said this last night on Twitter, as a Miami fan, I would rather go to Kansas City than play at home against Buffalo again. We just, we are an awful matchup against Buffalo. And that Kansas City offense is still broken. And yes, they could absolutely beat us. But I feel like there is a better chance Miami beats Kansas City than beats Buffalo. Did you ever think in the last two years that there would be a world where both the Lions and the Dolphins were in the playoffs at the same time? No. No, I didn't. This is crazy. I, 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 especially when you guys got Jared Goff. I was like, oh, okay, that's just a bonehead trade. But Ben Johnson has been phenomenal as an offensive coordinator for you. And now the Dolphins have Mike McDaniel and has really turned that franchise around as well. So – who knows, man? We'll see. The Lions offseason is going to be one of the most interesting offseasons to watch because you should fire Dan Campbell and promote Ben Johnson to the head coach. Zero chance it happens. Zero chance it happens. Uh, but you're going to lose Ben Johnson in the offseason. And even if you mm-hmm. get an elite offensive mind, that's going to make Dan Campbell successful again, and he's going to go in two, one or two offseasons. Because he is going to become a hot head coaching candidate. And so you're always going to have to trigger, figure out how can we fill this offensive void with your rah-rah, I'm going to go on tilt and go for two from the seven-yard line, Dan Campbell is your head coach. I mean, there were – I said that the refs screwed the Lions in the Cowboys game, but whenever a game comes down to one final decision like that and that's what decides it, there were a ton of times – that tells me you had a ton of chances earlier in the game, the whole game to try and win it, and you didn't do it. You just nailed one of those right there. So I'm not as up in arms as like a lot of Lions fans were about that. I thought it was stupid, but I was like, there are yeah, chances to win that anyway, and you didn't. Yeah, I mean, and they, they broke down the play on um, <clears throat> NFL Sunday Countdown. I think it was on Saturday. I thought Rex Ryan did a really good job of explaining kind of what happened. Like you're supposed to report as eligible or ineligible by signal, not by talking to the referee because it's in a stadium that has the chance to be loud. <laughs> and like the signal yeah. for eligible reporting is putting your hand across your chest with your arm up. Well, number 70 runs onto the field with his fist like this and like has his hand like this. And that means jumbo package, two linemen on the strong side from the, the Detroit Lions playbook side. But it's what the referee thought was reporting eligible because he ran right over to the referee in the group of those three guys. And 68 never does the eligible sign. He goes over and verbally tells the referee that he's eligible. And so that there, like, there's a reason there was so much confusion in and around that play related <laughs> Chris knows as people act like Aaron Glenn a man who cost the lines a primetime game because he didn't know you couldn't call a timeout immediately coming out of a timeout it's a viable head coaching candidate I even knew that rule <laughs> I mean Mike McCarthy looked like he didn't realize you could go for two when the, when the Lions went for two he looked confused that they were even going for two before that play he was just like dumbfounded that this was a thing that you could do in the NFL so you never know with the NFL. I mean, Arthur Smith got a job, and a lot of people really liked him when he went down to Atlanta. And that's been a, fortunately, that train wreck is over now. Like, it, like there are some weird, weird decisions uh, that that go out there that get on the airwaves from people who are well thought of in the NFL community. And I, I could not disagree more with what they're saying in a lot of situations. We actually have that Rex Ryan clip that you were talking about. Listen, I'm a toe expert. Um, <laughs> let's just say this: there ain't nothing wrong with Aaron Rodgers. He threw for three. Sorry, that was a different clip. My bad. <laughs> oh, no, no, no problem. Anytime you go back to the Rex Ryan toe jokes, let's do it. <laughs> oh, we're always towing the line with those ones. Over at RacingDudes.com, you can check out the latest Kentucky Derby news and updates, including Aaron's top 20. We have the top five video at YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. 
Check that out as well. Uh, this little icon right here, uh, Tappet Trice, uh, topped Jared's list of the top five most disappointing horse racing performances from 2023. It's all in good fun, mostly. We'll go check that out. Uh, no surprise, right? If anybody knows Jared, they know how much he thought this horse was going to win the Kentucky Derby and win the Belmont Stakes. And you can hear Jared talk about it. He's He understands now why he was wrong. Mike, we tried telling him. We tried. Yeah, I mean, to, you tried telling him. I, li- I literally tried to tell him who was going to win the Derby, and he didn't listen. Told everybody he was going to win the Derby. Some people listened. Jared did not. Did you, uh, did you play the Forget You song in the background of that? uh no i didn't because we would have gotten copyright yeah, stricken by like crazy but yes I, I the, actually that song started playing in my head immediately when i saw forget you right there <laughs> so the thumbnail for the youtube that does say forget you and forget her too because number two <laughs> is nest so i thought it was actually pretty fitting there nice. and i just love okay. this picture of tap at trace when he was getting a bath uh during derby week this the side eye looking at you like don't bet on me whatever you do don't bet on me and uh, yeah that's what Mike McCarthy looked like when uh, when he found out you can go for two. It's like, what is this craziness? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with Mike and I. And if you were a part of the live show, we really appreciate all the comments and all the discussion in there. Uh, join us every Monday and Thursday. Normal time is 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. But make sure you follow us on Twitter in case there are going to be times where that gets moved around for scheduled purposes. I'm at Curtis Kellward. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight, Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Again, in less than an hour, it's going to be Papa Dude and Aaron covering live the College Football National Championship game. You want to do some in-game betting, then we'll be talking about that a lot as well. So tune in for that. Any final words before we get out of here, Mr. Samich? Looking forward to tonight. Going to be a fun game, and then uh, we're going to have to figure out where we're going. I just looked at the stay schedule for next weekend as well. I mean, maybe Santa Anita will have to see how the fields turn out. Looks like there's at least a couple stakes races, a couple dirt, a couple turf. So we'll have, to, we'll have to figure out where we're going, but it does not look like a beautiful card next week. Uh, yeah, I sent out the assignments this week for what everybody's doing, and I was like, well, Dr. Miranda covers the Oak, so she gets the Busanda. Yep. And... Uh, <laughs> Aaron's going to do it, it's Cal Cup Day at uh, at Santa Anita so five California bred steaks including the Cal Cup Derby so what Aaron's going to do is just his best bets for Cal Cup Day so tune in for that one at the YouTube channel make sure you subscribe so that you never miss one of our videos when they come out but until Thursday for Mike and I returning whatever we cover we'll let you know I'm Magic and I'm Mike and wondering what do you think the field sizes for Cal Cup will be Average 7.5. Oh, I should have said 6.9. I missed an opportunity. I'd say 7.5. Okay. Just That's turf better races. Than better than normal. Turf races, yeah. yeah. We'll see you next time. See ya. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb. Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.